Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and today we have with us Brian Clayton, the co-founder and CEO of GreenPow. His company is an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. It's been called the Uber for Lawn Care. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how Brian turned GreenPow into a nine-figure lawn care business. If you need help with growing your business, we've got you covered at Shane Barker Consulting. We offer content marketing, SEO, influencer marketing, and other services that can accelerate your business growth. For more information, check out our website, shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. Okay, now back to the podcast. All right, you guys. Hey, what's going on? We got Shane Barker here with the Marketing Growth Podcast. I've got Brian Clayton here from GreenPal. Uh, I'll tell you, so Brian, it's, you know, we were just talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast. Um, you, you have an interesting story. I mean, that's the reason why we invited you on the podcast, right? We don't want anybody that doesn't have a, an awesome story. But your, your story with, with GreenPal is interesting. Once again, you're in the, in the landscaping lawn industry. Huh? Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on your show, Shane. I think there might be some sort of like correlation between the least sexy and glamorous your idea, the greater your chances of success. And that's definitely been the case for me. I've spent 21 years in the landscaping industry. I, I started mowing grass in high school as a way to make extra, make extra cash. And over a 15 year period of time, I built up a landscaping company up to 150 people, 10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, sold that business. And after I sold it, I uh, took some time off, uh, kind of like almost retired, uh, but it was like, I was only like 33 years old. so not really, but I uh, got bored and I thought, what now? What should I do now? And the idea for GreenPal came to me. I thought an app needs to exist like Uber, but for lawn mowing. And so I thought, well, how hard could it be? How hard could it be to build an app? So I recruited two co-founders and boy, we didn't know what we didn't know. It was uh, naivete as an asset. But we got in the trenches, and now we're like a 10-year overnight success. Green Pals nationwide in the United States have around 300,000 people using this app to get their grass cut and doing multiple eight figures a year in revenue. So this is the thing. So this is, and you, you just gave up all kinds of great information. So I would be shocked that if anybody just heard that, and if they don't listen to all three episodes, I'd be thoroughly shocked. We usually like to hold back a little bit. You, you went all in and told the world, hey, listen, like some amazing things have happened in the last 10 years. I do love the fact that you guys were an overnight success in 10 years, right? I mean, that's, that's, right. that's, that's unheard of. It's hard to be an overnight success in 10 years. And um, once again, I think obviously you're being facetious about, hey, listen, like it's hard, right? It's not easy yeah. being an entrepreneur. I think that's one thing that, that I love. The reason why I started the podcast is because I want people to know like, hey, it can be beneficial, right? I mean, you can, big things can happen, but it is not easy. Like we as entrepreneurs take punches and, you know, the, the amount of things that happen on a daily basis um, I don't think people understand that. And the people that do love hearing from people like yourself that is, hey, listen, I've been punched in the face a hundred times. I've done this. I've done that. We pivoted. We did this. We did this differently. And I think that's where your story becomes unique. Once again, you picked an industry that, you know, I wouldn't say is overly sexy. As you said, you know, it's not like somebody goes, man, I'm going to get into to lawn care. But I also people, I also think the other side of it is people go, wait a second, he's making how much and what did he build and what has he built over the last 10 years? So congratulations there. So Let's do this. I, you know, I'm sure my audience, once again, I know you've been on some, some big podcasts. I'd have to say probably historically, most of my audience might not know who you are. Not yet anyways, we're, we're getting there. So let's, I always like to know a little bit about the co-founder. Obviously you're a co-founder of GreenPal. You have two other partners. Give us a little backstory. I always, let, I always ask some personal questions just once again. So we kind of know who you are and where you grew up and you know, what your family was like. So where did you grow up? I know you're in, you're in Nashville, right? That's right. Yeah. Grew up around Nashville, Tennessee. Really fortunate to have kind of 
been able to come up in this area because it's booming, it's growing, it's it's a vibrant local economy. And I think that has a lot to do with where you start your business. You want to start it in a place that's vibrant and growing. And that's been the case for me in Nashville, particularly when I was growing my landscaping company, there was always new commercial projects going up, new neighborhoods going up, new people coming in. So there's new opportunities to grow my little lawn mowing business into a big company. And whereas if I had been more in a depressed city, like maybe even 30, 40 miles outside of Nashville, I may not have had those opportunities. So I'm very fortunate to, to have grown up around here. I'll tell you, so I haven't been to Nashville, but Nashville's literally on my top three, not only to visit, but I have people that are like, hey, you got to move here. I mean, I'm, you know, and I know that, and I know there's this big thing because I live in California, right? So we'll, we'll use the C word for now, you know, and and when I you talk to people from other states, they're like, no, you stay in California. We don't need you here in Nashville or, or any other place. We just went to Bend, Oregon and stuff. So you never know. We might be neighbors one of these days. And, and yeah, um, there you I, go. Yeah. You never know. We'll go out and have a beer or something like that. I, I just tested your app. And like I said, I want to go more into your background, but I just tested your app. And so as we were joking around, I have like eight people that want to mow my lawn right now. So you, you've built something phenomenal there, but I don't want to talk about that yet. And I'm jumping the gun because I get excited a little bit as you did. Right. I mean, we want to talk about the, the, what it took to get to where you're at today and the awesomeness. So in Nashville, so how big was your family in Nashville? So uh, one, one older brother, uh, mom and dad, uh, I'm the first uh, entrepreneur in, in our family, didn't, uh, didn't like come to, through, to, to entrepreneurship uh, by, by way of, of anything else other than my dad forcing me to go mow my first yard on a hot summer day. He, hmm. uh, he came into my bedroom when I was playing Nintendo and said, hey, get off your butt. You got a gig to do. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard made me go cut the neighbor's grass and I made 20 bucks an hour. And ever since then I was hooked, hooked on owning my own business, hooked on running my own company. Luckily he did that because who knows how different my life would be. It is so funny. So your background and my background is very similar. So I, mine was, so I didn't, so a TV in my house, like if we watch TV in my house, my mom was like, Oh, you're watching TV. Maybe you should clean the bathroom or do the dishes or do this. Like I, we didn't watch TV video games. I could sneak them in every once in a while, but I, I, the same thing with me. Like my dad was like, Hey, you got a summertime. Like we got to get up off our butt and you know, we got to make some money. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And he's like, go mow lawns. Like I literally the same thing. I had probably seven lawns and I'm in Sacramento. I don't know how hot it is in Nashville. I'm sure there's some summers that are just brutal. We've, we hit a hundred, sometimes 110. So I'm out there and I'm, you guys can't see this on the podcast, but I have like milky white skin. Like I am sun and Shane, do not like they're not supposed to like ever get together like it's because the sun always wins like my wife will joke that like if I walk past a window I could get burnt like I'm I'm that I'm Irish milky white like there's nothing else you can do so summertime was brutal for me but I I did the same thing I'm like man this is cash people are leaving money underneath their placemat for me like here you go Shane I know you're coming here's 15 bucks and I'm like this is easy money man this is like yeah. you know and I didn't even realize you know down the road that it's like you know, I think I'm outside the statute of limitations on, on taxation for the IRS. It's there all cash, go. right? Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't have to worry about it. I don't think they can listen to this and come back to me after, I, you know, I'm 46 now. So that was 30 years yeah. ago. I think You're I'm probably think I'm okay. Outside. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure. But you never know. Yeah. They might find, figure something out. Um, I'm not they admitting. They want their, their 30% of that 15 bucks. <laughs> it's, you never know. I might get that knock on the door. I'll let you know. Either way. Actually, I won't. I'll probably be on the run and I'll just go to Nashville. But um, there you so go. You're, are you currently, and you're currently living in Nashville. So you're still there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Nashville is where Green Pal is headquartered. Uh, it's a great place to start a startup because uh, we've got all of the things that 
big city has. Uh, we have good tech talent. We have great infrastructure. We have a great local business community, but it's a lot cheaper to operate in Nashville than mm-hmm. it is out on the West Coast or on the East Coast. So it, that's what's made it uh, kind of a competitive advantage for us because our cost structure to operate here is much, much less. And we're a self-funded company. And so we've kind of had yeah. to watch how much our burn rate has been over the years. And being in Nashville has been a big part of that. Yeah, we're going to talk about that because that's one of the things I want to talk to you about is bootstrapping your businesses because that's not easy. I've, I've done it myself and not received funding and it's a challenge, man. You know, there's some upside to it, right? You own 100% of it, but there's the other side of it. It's like nobody's giving you a $5 million check and saying, hey, go use this money. You got to look at every every cost and that's a, that's a different type of, of way to build the business. It's, it's obviously going to be a lot more, you got to look at things differently, right? So and I'm, I'm excited about hearing that side of that story. So in Nashville, I mean, not only the things you brought up, but I mean, I've heard the food scene and the, and the music scene is like phenomenal. Like, that's what I'm excited about. Like I, and the tech scene is too, obviously I love tech, but you know, food and, and adult beverages are like, that's, I'm Irish. So that's kind of where <laughs> that's I, a, I, that's as a staple, right? I mean, it's that's like, Nashville's main product. So yeah, yeah you'll love it. <laughs> I, had, I had a feeling, I had a feeling we'd get along. Um, so cool. Then where did you go to college? You were also in, in the Nashville area, huh? Yeah, so when I when I graduated high school, I had this little lawn mowing business, and I I put myself through college cutting grass. But my college experience wasn't like the traditional college experience. It was just nights uh, for like seven years, and so I I would I would go mow yards all day for like 12, 13 hours, and then I would go to school for three or four hours, uh, three or four nights a week. Literally would show up to class with grass all over me, smelling like gas and uh, and and sweat and stink and and uh, but, I, you know, it's kind of funny. I had a couple of professors that res- respected that. They were like, man, this guy's on grind. his grind. Yeah, uh, but I, would, I, would, I would literally roll up to campus with a truck and trailer with lawnmowers on it. And and so, yeah, uh, but it was cool because I didn't have to take, take on a bunch of student debt, uh, you know, going through, through business school. I was able to put myself through it and uh, went to a st- state school called MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University outside of Nashville, studied business. And then uh, when I graduated college, I had to make a decision. Was I going to go into the job market? Uh, and take a pay cut or stick with this landscaping company I was running. And I didn't really want to be a lawn guy my whole life. It wasn't really what I set out to do, but I thought, you know, ah, this could be my lane. You know, this could be my, 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 my vehicle to, you know, make something of myself. And I made a business plan and recruited a great team and worked my butt off and they did too. And we built a great company. Awesome. So I can imagine smelling like gas in, 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 uh, and lawnmower, you know, on, on and grass. Um, I'm sure you pulled all the ladies. I was at a big, was that, <laughs> the girls were like, man, this guy smells like, like, like gas. And, and I'm yeah. laughing only because I know that my mom is like, you're not coming inside this house. Like right now you needed, I would have to strip down almost naked in my garage. Cause she's like, you smell like gas. You got lawnmower stuff all over you. But I'm like, look at this cash though. Like, look, look what I, look what I just did. It was beautiful. Yeah, I was definitely not pulling the ladies. Uh, there really was no time. Honestly, there was really one thing, about starting, a, one thing about starting a business from zero. Uh, there's not a whole lot of time for a social life. And because, I mean, you're, it's seven days a week and, and you're just monotically focused on making this thing successful. You really don't have time to, to get distracted with a, with a social life. You know, I didn't go to a whole lot of parties. I missed out on a lot of, lot of events, but but uh, I'm glad I took made those sacrifices in because that yeah. was the foundation for where I'm where we're at today. And that's I agree with you 100. It's it's you know it's so funny. I don't think I remember when I went to college and once again many moons ago. But I was at an entrepreneurship class. There was only one class in my university for entrepreneurship, and I'd already had my own businesses, so I was kind of 
a little more seasoned than, than most. And, you know, most of the people in the class were like, oh, I just, you know, I want to own a restaurant so that I can, you know, have somebody manage it and I can go golfing. And I'm like, good luck. Hmm. Let me think. The <laughs> quickest way for people to steal money from you is when you start going to the golfing course and you assume that everything is great. It was just interesting because that's what the mindset is, is like, oh, you know, you do this and or now social media makes it like, oh, you just get on your private jet and you get your pink poodle and, you know, you just take pictures of you at the beach and you'll make millions of dollars. And it's like, um, there's a, a grind and a workout there. There's certain things that need to happen, like, you know, for that to happen. So I think I love that you're like, like what do you mean girlfriend or wife or personal <laughs> life like well what is that i have to google that like i don't what that was not the that wasn't on the priority list right yeah, nobody uh it's kind of funny like every movie you've ever seen about entrepreneurship like the uh the actual grind of building the business is set to like uh, a, a, a musical montage and it's just like it just kind of skips over that part yeah. that's part's never exciting uh and nobody ever talks about that part and unless you have done it or are trying to do it do you then yeah realize how how laughable it is uh to think that you can start that way because it's, it's just not how it happens well i love then i've seen this as just like a picture but it, what it is is they says hey being an entrepreneur it's you know where you start and where you finish and you know most people think it's a straight line right you just go up and you get hockey stick growth and you make all kinds of money and you go your ferrari and your pet tiger or whatever you get but it's really not like the other one where it just shows it ups and downs and the this and that like i I think, you know, I think people in my podcast get a better idea because that's where they listen. They want to get, you know, some good information and figure out what people did and, you know, the, the, the hustle that they did and, and how they did things differently and, or maybe how it reminds people of how they need to do things, right? Maybe I need to get back on track. I need to quit dating three girls and spending all my time out there, you know, being frivolous and, and go back to, you know, to, to where I'm going to be able to, in 10 years, be able to have a family and be able to not have to focus as much on the business. So, you know, it's funny. I, I ask people like, what is your first job out of college? And if I asked you that, that would be a very quick conversation for us because you've never had another job. Like you've been nothing but an entrepreneur. That's, that's a very good point. One of my, uh, there's a guy named Chris Saka, who's a famous angel investor and he was on Shark Tank for a while. Mm -hmm. And he says, and he says that he never invests in anybody who hasn't had a crappy job and, you know, you know, waiter, you know, like server at a restaurant or, you know, janitor or in my case a lawn mowing guy you know like yeah literally i've never done anything but ran my own company in this industry in some shape or form and uh when when i was uh in college i was still mowing grass and uh one of our first commercial clients was mcdonald's and the way we sold mcdonald's on a contract was that we would pick up all the cigarette butts in the drive-thru every time we came to cut the grass so literally literally i would i would be on my hands and knees with a five gallon uh bucket picking up cigarette butts, putting them in a, in a bucket like for 10 hours a day. It was not glamorous, but that was a really good contract. And it was a yeah. really good contract for us to build that company on. So you got to do what cool. you got to do. Yeah. You got to figure out the angles, right? Cause everybody can mow right. grass, right? So it's like, okay, you can make yeah. it look like the next guy, but it's like, how do I say, okay, you know what? I'll do this next thing, which is that next level of service or support. And then people go, okay, that makes sense. That's a selling point because we, our team forgets in the morning to pick up the cigarette butts and then you get out there and you know, gloves on or no gloves on, and you're picking up cigarette butts. You're making it happen. Nobody else that. was going to do that, and that was how we separated ourselves from, you know, the other comp competitors that were wanting their business. 
I've right. probably picked up a million, two million cigarette butts in my life. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and that's the thing. Once again, I think that's what's important is you, you figure out what's the differentiator, right? How are you different? Because yeah. the service you provide is the same as the next guy for the most part, right? Like if they do it, you know, same lawnmower, same this, same that, it, you know, it can be maybe different work ethic. But at the end of the day, what is the differentiator? How are they going to go? Yep. Oh, that's a little added service, right? Is that going to be price? Is that going to be more service? Is that going to be whatever that is? So I love that. So I, I want to talk about... Um, well, I want to talk more about GreenPal. Obviously, we've been kind of teasing people with it. I figure now we can we can jump in. So I know that you said that once again. I want you to touch a little bit on your father's your father coming in and saying, "Hey, guess what? It's Saturday. You're uh, playing a lot of video games. You're getting calluses on your thumbs, which is awesome. But that's not going to make any money. We need to get your butt out there and make some money. So, like, what? How did that? Like, how did you turn that into into being an entrepreneur? Obviously, I mean, obviously, the first thing was getting you out, and then you start looking at the money. And said, "Well, this isn't too bad. I smell like gas, and I got." some lawnmower clippings on me, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm making cash and good things are happening. So ex tell me that story a little bit better. Like go, go a little deeper into that. Yeah. Yeah. Literally I saw I, something was like, like something clicked in my mind that I could work as hard as I wanted to work and I could make as much money as I wanted to make. And then also this could be the thing to take me places in life in general. And I started like comparing where I was going with my little business whether it be hiring my first employee or, or, uh, or buying new pieces of equipment or, or getting a big contract and like how my, like I was leveling up in life. One thing that, 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 that clicked really early on was I started reading books about business and started going to conferences about my industry and doing things I never in a million years would have done had it not been for the business. And what I started learning was like every two or three years, I was evolving uh, into a totally new person. And that's one of the things I, I really loved about it was that in order to win and compete in business, no matter at any level, you're going to have to level up. You're going to have to work on yourself. You're going to have to acquire new skills. And that's something that like really clicked in year one or two of, of running that little online business. And so, you know, over, and that's quite frankly, why I sold the company in year 15 was because I had, I had kind of hit a plateau personally in terms of yeah. my personal growth. And I thought, ah, I need to shake things up. I'm going to sell this company, maybe start another so that's one of the cool things about it. It's one of the things that, that I love. I've always loved about it. Well, what I love about it is that you call it your little lawn mowing business and you had 150 employees. Like just, just so we're on the <laughs> well, same page with, right? Like in your mind, it was your little lawn mowing business, but everybody else is going, okay, 150 people. Like we think that because it's like, oh, it's my baby. It's my business. And, you know, for me, I'm laughing. It's like, I used to look at it. It's like, oh, my little lawn mowing business that I sold and could have retired. Like, it's a little yeah. bigger than little, but you know, you know, but I get why you're saying that. It's like, it's like in your mind, it's like, it's your baby. It's your little baby. You know, it's, it is what it is. Um, yeah. So you I, know, one, one of the most humbling things you can do is, is run it, run a business. Cause there's always somebody doing it bigger and better. And like, it, it'll keep you humble. So, so maybe that's my frame I'm looking at from. Yeah. Well, there's always somebody on your coattails that's, that's competing that's right. in this. What I love about that is you talk about the evolution of how you guys evolved. And so, how did you come up with the idea of GreenPal? Was that a situation where you just sold your business and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to retire. And then your, your inner whatever it is was like, well, we'll retire. Like, hey, but like, we got to do something. You know, I've got, I've been, I picked up 1 million cigarette butts. There's, there's a way to evolve this business. What do I need to do? Like, talk a little bit about that. I want to hear a little bit more how you guys came up with the idea of GreenPal. Yeah, I think when you're starting a new technology company, uh, most of the time you're starting something from scratch that doesn't exist. And one thing that can be helpful is authenticity can be a competitive advantage. And for me, starting GreenPal, I was really kind of solving my own problem. When I ran my landscaping company, eventually 
we got to a point where we weren't doing residential work anymore. We were doing all commercial, like six-figure contracts and up. But people would still call us every day begging us to come out and just mow their yard like a basic grass cutting service and and we no longer service that and yeah. but but we had a value of running that company to always be helpful no matter what so we would keep a list of name names and phone numbers by the phone and we would refer people out to smaller uh service providers just to try to help everybody out yeah and what these what would always happen is like these people would call us back the next day say hey i called all 10 of those people i left like nine voicemails i hired one guy he didn't show up i couldn't get anybody else to come uh another dude wanted like a ridiculous price and then another dude came and looked at it and changed his price and it was like it was just a total mess and I thought, you know, this is really a pain because homeowners had this basic chore they need to get done. The reality is, is there are a dozen contractors out there that want that business, but it's hard for them to like make a connection Connect and it's hard yeah. for them to find each other. And so I thought this app needs to exist. And I saw what Airbnb was doing, you know, for accommodations, what Uber and Lyft were doing. I thought somebody's going to build it. Why not it be me? And uh, like I said, it was naivete as an asset. Um, it was uh, luckily I didn't understand how hard it was going to be, or else I never would have done it. But we got in there. Uh, we 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 paid a dev shop to build the first version of what we thought this app should be. Uh, that was a total failure, but we got just enough validation to know that this is a good idea, and let's keep going. And luckily we didn't quit. You know that's one reason this it really has been success by not giving up. Yeah. And you have two other co-fetters. Like, give me a little, what, what is there, what do they bring to the table? Obviously you have the, the, the personal experience of being in the industry and what did they bring to the table? Is there anything different they brought to the table that helped? Ideally uh, when you are getting co-founders, there's a guy named Paul Graham who runs a accelerator called Y Combinator. He says, when you're getting a co-founder, it should be a hacker and a hustler. So there should be somebody who knows the tech side and there should be another person who, who's going to drive the business and the project forward who's just a go-getter and, and is organized on how to get stuff done. Ideally, that's, 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 who, that's who comes together. We had three hustlers. None of us knew how to code. None of us knew how to build software. None of us knew the first thing about how to do any of this stuff. The only thing that we kind of had was, was the domain experience. And then also, I just kind of recognized that these two dudes really wanted more out of life. And they just wanted to like make something of themselves. And they had an insatiable ambition to do that. And so I figured if we had that and then I trusted them that we could just figure the rest out. And that's how it unfolded for us. We, we taught ourselves how to code. We taught ourselves how to build and distribute software. That took like three years. Uh, but we were just sufficiently motivated to grind our way through it. And that's why it worked out. That said, um, when you're going to get a co-founder, it, it, you know, it, it's, you need to look at it almost like a marriage. You need to like, I think you need to think, think about it in terms of, of uh, date them for a while and maybe, you know, like get to know them for a while. Cause you're going to be spending more time with this person than you are your actual spouse. Yeah. And uh, if the business is successful uh, or, or not successful, it's actually easier to get a divorce than it is to unwind a business cap table. So it's 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 it needs to be thought about with that magnitude. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the issue is that I think people, you're too quick to give up the keys to the castle. It's like, hey, if you have an idea, it's like, hey, you, because everybody, whether there's a relationship or by, again, a co-founder in the first three months, six months, we all have a certain image that we put forth, right? You're not really, you're not peeling back that onion to know what somebody's really like. I, I The way I say is like getting married. Like, you know, hey, you guys should probably move in for a few months and see 
if she's crazy or yep. you're crazy or whatever that is, right? Who knows? And the same thing with, with co-founders, I think it's like, hey, I think there's something here, but there's no reason to jump in to start you know, giving out equity and stuff until we realize like, hey, yep. are we on the same page? Because you know what happens when you start giving up equity and then that person's working half the time that you're working and you're like, wow, I just gave up half my company right? And now this person is not doing that. I mean, that way you have, you know, an operating agreement. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things you put in place to say, hey, who's going to do what? And what does this look like? And you might not have that figured out in the beginning, right? And so you got to kind of iron that out. And, you know, I always tell people, you have one other partner, that's one thing. You have two other partners, you have two other partners, right? You have personalities and things that happen. If they get married, if they have kids and they get a divorce, and there's just a lot of moving right. pieces to it. A lot of conversations that we're not really taught to, to, to have until, excuse my language, shit hits the fan. And you're like, oh, I wish I would have talked about this before we started making money. Or when there's no money on the table and now we got to dissolve this thing because we have taxes and who's going to pay this and who's going to pay that. It's, you know, you, there's things that you need to figure out, but there's no reason I look at it like, hey, there's no reason to jump into that partnership until once again, kind of ask some of the right questions and kind of figure some things out on both sides. They should also not be looking to jump into something overnight you know, it's like, it just, it just takes a while. Really. It's, it is, it's a relationship that you're building there and you got to make sure that, you know, that it makes sense and the structure's there. And, you know, cause it's, it, it's, I, I love that, you know, the analogy or the, the quote that I love, it's Mike Tyson, you know, he always says, you know, you have, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face, right? Like it's That's right. kind of that, that same thing of like, we don't know what's going to happen, but we know that we're ready for this to, you know, for the, the war or to go in and do this, but we're just going to kind of have to iron it out as we go. But at least we have a foundation of what we know everybody's going to do. And, you know, we're all our hearts in this. We're going to spend three years and spend full time doing this and, and really kind of grind it out and see what happens. Yeah. Two, two things that, that, that I've noticed about co-founders and people that think they got to get one is that most of the time a new founder rushes out to get a co-founder as a coping mechanism mm -hmm. as I'm not sure that I want to do this, but if I can find somebody else who's crazy or just as stupid as I am to do it with me, it kind of <laughs> validates and makes me feel a little warm and fuzzy. That's the yeah. one thing I've noticed. And then the other thing that I've, I've kind of figured out and understood along the way is kind of a test, a litmus test. Um, when you're getting a co-founder, like literally go through the mental exercise. Would I write them a check for $10 million to start this business with me right now? If I had 10 million in the bank, my last 10 million, would I write, would I strike them a check for, for eight figures to start the business with me today? And then if the answer is no, then don't start the business with them because ultimately maybe you'll sell the company for 30 or 40 million or hundred million and their equity is going to be worth that or more. Maybe you're going to raise a round of funding and your dilution you're going to take on is basically going to be the same amount as the equity as your co-founder. And maybe that's 10 million. So if you won't write them a check for 10 million to start, don't start the business, to start the business, then don't do it because that'll be a real good gut check to figure out if they're, if the, if you, if you believe in them to that degree. So I got a question for you. So, and I don't know if you can answer this because I don't know if you want to, but and that sounds like super crazy when I say it out loud, it's really not that crazy of a question. Are you guys, what's your, what's your goal with green power? You guys looking to, to grow that thing to nine figures. You guys want to like sell out or what's, I mean, is there any, what is it? Can you tell me what the exit strategy is? Yeah, we, we have a goal to get to nine figures that really, that's really all that matters right now. We want to get there in five years or less. We're doing multiple eight figures now. So it's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. Me, you know, I, I have ran this business for 10 years, but I haven't worked a day in 10 years. I, I, some weeks were hundred hours, but, but I love doing this. I'm having fun running this company. So for me, I'm going to keep running it so long as I'm having fun. The day I stop having fun, 
is the day that we bring in a professional CEO or we answer one of the 20 emails we get every month about an acquisition and we, we entertain that. But, uh, but for me, I'm well suited for this stage of the game. Like every, every, uh, business goes through three kind of phases the startup which is like trying to get an idea and a product at the door or maybe a handful of customers then the grow up which is you know 100k million two million five million in revenue and then there's the scale up which is like nine figures executives leaders training leaders all kinds of systems we're somewhere between the second and third phase i may suck at the third phase i may suck at scale up and if we find that out then we'll, we'll make some changes but i'm going to keep doing this so long as i'm decent at it and i'm having fun yeah absolutely i think that's the mindset right so you don't look at it as a job you look at it like hey this is fun and you still enjoy yeah. it and you can come to work and feel like hey i'm enjoying what i'm doing if you don't then you know then you can take a look at it. there's somebody else that could that could take it on and, and and you know bring it to wherever it needs to be take it to that nine that nine figure mark thanks listeners i hope it helped you learn what it takes to grow a successful eight figure business on my next episode we'll talk about bootstrapping a business don't forget to tune into the marketing growth podcast 